What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be discussing Stephen Crowder's divorce, and we're going to be discussing the issue of no-fault divorce. Christian Post wrote an article justifying no-fault divorce using Stephen Crowder. Now, as a Christian, I take major issue with that because I think Jesus' words are very clear on the issue of marriage and divorce. I think they're exceedingly clear. So, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Stephen Crowder issue. And Stephen Crowder, if you're living under a rock, you know, you're somehow on YouTube and you don't know who Stephen Crowder is, which I won't blame you. Uh, Stephen Crowder is the largest conservative YouTuber with over 6 million subs, I believe, is what he's at. And he has a very public and very ugly divorce that he's hidden for a couple of years now. But it has surfaced and it's very sad. And I'm actually pretty sad to talk about it because, you know, on the issue of marriage, if I can get a little personal here. If my wife and I were not Bible-believing Christians, we wouldn't be married still. So, what makes me sad about the situation that Steven Crowder is going through, and Hillary Crowder is going through, is that they could have had, you know, my story of fighting to keep a marriage alive, but... I guess they've taken the easy way out. So I'm kind of saddened by that. And I I don't like talking about it, but, you know, we have an article written at Evangelical Dark Web that my brother wrote. And we're going to use that as the backdrop for talking about this article that Christian Post wrote and the larger picture of uh, Stephen Crowder's divorce and whether no-fault divorce is biblically justified or not because of a high-profile instance. Uh, but first, uh, let me know, uh, going to let you know that Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's our Patreon-like system because we don't use Patreon because they censor, hardcore censorship. So we don't want to support that. So we built our own. You can also check out the free newsletter that's linked in the description below that gives you Christian news in your inbox each and every morning, bypassing big tech censorship as well. But the least you can do is like the video and also subscribe to the channel if you are new. So this is the article by Christian Post. Uh, It's written by Sarah McDougall, who's a feminist uh, grifter in the church. Uh, so this is the article that Anthony wrote at Evangelical Dark Web. So we're going to be talking about this. Is Stephen Crowder's divorce justified? Christian Post says yes. Uh, he begins by saying, uh, 2023 has been a year of shakeup in the conservative media sphere with the biggest names involved in high-profile drama, with, which is drastically revealing. Among these conservatives is Stephen Crowder. Crowder made headlines late last year when he announced his departure from the blaze in 2023, his negotiations with the daily wire created drama in the media space, whereby Jeremy boring placed terms in his contract that would financially penalize him 
for falling afoul of big tech censorship. Ironically, Matt Walsh is demonetized on YouTube. That is pretty ironic. While Crowder championed himself as sticking up for the little guy in the content space, debates over $50 million contract and his lack of history performing or platforming smaller conservatives in the middle, in the muddle of his altruistic motives. So there's a lot of, you know, hypocrisy surrounding, uh, Steven Crowder. I think that's pretty clear for anyone who's following the Steven Crowder situation. Uh, then came the Dave Landau, Michael Malice interview where Landau called out Crowder's abusive micromanagement while Crowder was correct in his grievance against Jeremy Boring's term sheets. Uh, his hypocrisy towards Landau and others on his staff is equally appalling. So that's kind of the thing about Steven Crowder. Like, you know, here, you know, me and my brother, we've had a very, you know, up and down relationship with Steven Crowder. Like, I was a big fan of Steven Crowder a number of years ago. But the thing about Steven Crowder is, you know, I felt that he had lost it. Like, you know, the eye of the tiger was not there. And perhaps this divorce is one of the reasons why the eye of the tiger is not there anymore. Although I'd say it started in 2020. But... Nonetheless, the eye of the tiger is not there. You got a lot of conservative gatekeeping. Like, he's not that pro-life. Like, he's a feminist on the issue of abortion, and that's not biblical whatsoever. And then he gatekeeps against people who are more pro-life and certainly more conservative than he is. So, those are a lot of the issues with Steven Crowder. And then you get this behind-the-scenes drama, which he's had a lot of behind-the-scenes drama over the last few years. Not on the most amicable terms with his previous co-hosts so these these are just facts about steven crowder in april it was announced that steven crowder was getting a divorce from his wife hillary who he married in 2012 the couple had had twins in the summer of 2021 and subsequently filed for divorce later that year after airing his announcement on his show behind the paywall this was subsequently followed up by the released Security footage depicting Crowder verbally abusing his then eight-month pregnant wife while lounging on the patio. And by lounging, he means smoking a cigar, too. Like, you know, it's very, very casual Steven Crowder was while he was expecting his wife to labor. So, again, I, I saw a meme that was, you know, POV when you're Steven Crowder's a dude... Uh, smoking a cigar while his pregnant wife mows the lawn. Like, it, you know, that's the type of behavior we are seeing from St- Steven Crowder was depicted in that meme. Uh, this was then followed by a New York Post article which alleged in detail the sexually lewd workplace antics involving genital exposure amongst other hostilities. Like, the genital exposure... Wow, it was really gay, but in a power struggle kind of way. Like, he's trying to show dominance. That's basically the gist that I got. He's whipping it out to show dominance. That's basically what Steven Crowder was doing. So, enter Christian Post. Oh, wait, no, I still had more on that. Uh, Back up here. 
Plainly stated, the video and its contents are reprehensible, even if selectively edited. However, we as Christians should not judge 10 years of marriage by 5 minutes of video, nor should we exchange biblical teaching for situational ethics. It is probable and perhaps unsurprising that Crowder's workplace diva persona impacted the marriage, at least that was evident in the video. Regardless, there was much more that transpired in that marriage leading to that incident, so it is insensible to white knight for the woman that or otherwise take personal interest in entirely private affairs. And I think that's very true. Um, again, I'm, I don't, I didn't selectively edit this to match my opinion, but I, I do believe that's true. Anthony's not married. I am. And you, you don't get to the point where you're telling your eight-month pregnant wife you don't love her anymore overnight. You don't get there overnight. Obviously, that doesn't justify the end result and where the car ended up driving off, you know, the clip that the car ended up driving off of. That That's not justified whatsoever. But you don't get there overnight. Just as Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was that a destroyed marriage like on that level built in one day either. So, enter Christian Post, which... Um, published an op-ed by Sarah McDougall entitled Stephen Crowder and No-Fault Divorce. McDougall is a trauma counselor who endured an allegedly abusive marriage and subsequently deconstructed her faith from the 1990s purity culture. She is an egalitarian who sells life coaching services. In this article, she attacks Emerson Egerich and his ideas presented in Love and Respect, ultimately blaming the prevalence of Egerich's views for Crowder's actions. And this is a quote from the McDougal article. If you, if his own actions are any indication, Crowder's worldview aligns closely with Egerich's, despite positioning himself as a champion for Christian marriage, Crowder clearly felt perfectly entitled to treat his wife as he did. And there is absolutely nothing she could have done to hold him accountable except to leave. And again, that's not biblically true. The four spheres of sovereignty exist to keep each other in check. I don't believe that she was beyond going to the church for recourse. There was nothing in that video that was irreconcilable, nor was divorce the only option. The great tragedy in this situation is that Crowder was a champion of abstinence and purity before marriage, something that is exceedingly rare these days. The degradation of the marriage did not happen in the, any of the footage that had been leaked, but doubtless happened over time. Holding Crowder accountable by divorce is not a desirable outcome, as McDougal alludes. A family has been destroyed. Yeah. Um, and the stats don't lie about that. And this is another quote from the McDougal article. But just leaving is far harder than it might sound. Since his divorce, Crowder is loudly vocal about repealing no-fault divorce laws. On the surface, it sounds good to some as a solution to keep Christian families together. But is something more sinister under the surface? And I want to pause right there to say maybe for Steven Crowder it is. Maybe for Steven Crowder, his... Uh, I don't want to call it a crusade because I don't think he's gone that far. His uh, rant about no-fault divorce could very well be motivated to 
have further hidden his moral failings uh, in in his private life. That could be his motivation, that he regrets and has remorse, not repentance, but remorse for the failure of his marriage. That could be it. But that doesn't make no false divorce biblically justified. In the United States, when divorce is granted without requiring one party to prove that the other party is at fault for the failure of the marriage, it is called no-fault divorce. Cornell University's Legal Information Institute explains traditional fault grounds for divorce are adultery, cruelty, confinement in prison, physically in, physical inability to have sexual intercourse, really, and incurable insanity. Today, all states allow no-fault divorce, but about two-thirds of the states also still allow couples to obtain divorce based on fault grounds. So I guess it's fine to bail on your marriage if your spouse is in an accident and can't have sex anymore. To Christians who are enthusiastically supportive of marriage, the concept of no-fault divorce may sound like a blank check for a society-wide attack on morality. Yes, and it actually has been. The implementation of no-fault divorce did damage to entire... And this is outside of the quote. Uh, the implementation of no-fault divorce did damage to ent an entire generation of Americans who grew up in divorced homes. At one point, divorce was, 50 50, was a 50-50 outcome for marriage, only to recede as society no longer values marriage as an institution. Which is true, because they say, you know, a lot of... You have heard... That, you know, marriage is like a coin flip whether it lasts or not. But, you know, that's statistically not true. It's actually not as true for first-timers as it is for second- and third-timers. Because, you know, again, they've already had one divorce. They're just going to keep doing it again. Um, so that's part of how that statistic got to where it's at. But, yeah, now that our society doesn't, you know, get married as much, divorce rates have actually gone down. Rather than work out marital struggles, couples divorced and took their baggage with them. And the divorce rates on marriages is about, on remarriages is about 60%. Statistically speaking, the grass is not greener on the other side. So the societal emphasis should fixate towards improving marriages, not upgrading spouses. But rather than apply rational thought, McDougal employs hyperbole to condemn at-fault divorce on grounds of impotence which in marriages is most commonly erectile dysfunction. Note that Dennis Prager uses a similar hyperbole to justify pornography. This is her self-projection emanating from the wounds of her previous marriage. And another fault, uh, note that I want to make about the erectile dysfunction comment is, you know, what's the biggest you know, cause of erectile dysfunction? It's porn use. It's being a coomer. That is the biggest cause of erectile dysfunction is people being coomers while being married. So they need drugs to get it up and to keep it up because they've trained their bodies, they've trained their phallus uh, a certain way, if you know what I'm saying. That's, that's about as graphic as I'm going to get on this. Uh, Christians who uphold the traditional values of lifelong commitment understandably recoil at the idea of allowing a partner, this is a McDougal quote, by the way, to change their mind whenever they want. But is that really what no false div fault divorce allows? I'd like to suggest that we look deeper to assess our, under our own underlying biases. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And Anthony goes on to say, what, under, what bias is there to assess? No-fault divorce allows a woman to file divorce and to take half a man's money and assets rather than work towards improving the marriage. There's a reason women initiate 70% of the divorce, which rises to 90% if college educated. They do not all have abusive, abusive alcoholic husbands who cheated on their wives. In fact, 23% of females and 19% of men are victimized by domestic violence, which is nearly even, you know, it's within a standard deviation uh, margin for error, perhaps, I guess is why he's saying that. 21.2% of women have taken medication for mental health treatment in the last 12 months, nearly double the 11.5% of men. It also cannot be ignored that the sexual behavior before marriage correlates with divorce. A woman with uh, six or more premarital sexual partners, oh, you know, basically if a woman has a body count of six or higher, they're almost three times less likely to be in a stable marriage. One cannot ignore the widespread damage these patterns of dysfunctional behaviors have on an entire society, especially when repeated in subsequent generations, thus destroying the nuclear family. McDougall would have us rethink one of the fruits of the sexual revolution. So this is where she justifies no-fault divorce as life-saving is what this section's about. In 1969, states began passing no-fault divorce laws one at a time. Researchers fascinated by, were fascinated by the results. Gretchen Baskerville, author of Life-Saving Divorce, explains in states that have passed unilateral no-fault divorce, suicide rate for wives dropped by 8 to 16%. The domestic violence rate by and against both men and women dropped by 30%. The homicide rate of women murdered by an intimate dropped by 10%. Dr. Jacqueline Campbell, a researcher, inventor of the danger assessment and professor at Johns Hopkins School of Nursing, states that the danger, that in her danger assessment certification training, the safest states for women who face domestic violence are the states with the lowest rates of women killing men. Why? Because for their partners living with intimate terrorism, societal infrastructure such as domestic violence shelters and no-false divorce provide an alternative path to safety other than death. So, that's the end of the uh, quote from the article. Uh, no-fault divorce is necessary because it saves lives. That's the argument that, we've, that they're making. Where have Christians heard this narrative before? The Rainbow Jihad argues that child mutilation is necessary to prevent suicides. And I'll add something to that. They also argue that uh, banning change therapy is is justified to prevent suicides, even though that the studies don't show that it causes suicide. They they've done multiple studies that show that it doesn't do that. Uh, another similarly, they also argue abortion is necessary to prevent dangerous back alley procedures. Shutting down the economy and imposing lockdowns was necessary to save lives. Then there's the gun control being necessary to save lives. 
This is a false canard that the left has propagated for years and should be rejected. Divorce destroys families and traumatizes children. Statistically, divorce regrets further dysfunction for both parents and their offspring. And, you know, this this is factored in crime as well. Uh, For Christians raised in and raising their children in loving safe homes, this is back to the McDougal article, the concept of being forced to choose between hell at home or death may seem unfathomable, but those who have experienced abuse can imagine it easily to cause, uh, to the causal onlooker, the idea of requiring one partner to prove that the other is in fact at fault may seem quite reasonable. But to those who have been forced to navigate the American family court system know just how difficult, if not impossible, it can be to prove, well, anything at all. It is entire, and that's the end of the quote from the article, uh, it is entirely reasonable, and still is, uh, Either marriage is an institution considered sacred, requiring a high burden of proof for dissolution, or it is not. When the New Testament was written, marriage was hardly considered sacred, which is why the Pharisees probed Jesus in Matthew 19 on marriage and divorce. Likewise, Greco-Roman society was loose on divorce and marital infidelity, requiring rebuke by the apostles. Divorce should not be easy nor comfortable. To then argue that the divorce or that the difficulty of proving claims in family court necessitates no fault divorce is ludicrous and disingenuous. Disingenuous. When marriages break apart, petty behavior metastasizes, which then becomes entangled at the courts. Nevertheless, family court is generally favorable to women versus men, around 90% of custodial parents being women, albeit most of them through settlement. In this situation, the mother can restart with the children, child support, and alimony, and the prospects of remarriage to start anew. It should also be said that the states that that only have no-fault divorce do not factor marital infidelity when granting the divorce and settlement of assets, custody, etc. Ironically, this hurts women as men are more more likely to cheat at 20% versus 13%, though women under 30 are slightly more adulterous. That's a shock. (laughs) Said no one ever. Uh, Correlating factors for infidelity include lack of religious service attendance, two-parent homes, uh, Democrats, and disparate impact of black men, 28%. States that considered fault grounds for divorce do factor this into the settlement, which would disproportionately benefit women. McDougal proceeds to call out Crowder and focus on the family for bashing no-fault divorce, citing the timeline of Crowder's statements coinciding with his own divorce. She then concludes, let me be very clear. While I worked, while I work in the abuse recovery field, I am for marriage. I believe in a biblical family, lifelong commitment, and loving companionship. I also recognize that black and white thinking can create affinity for solutions that naively overlook life-threatening risk and nuances. If we want to build marriages and families that are reflective of Christ's healing safety, we must carefully consider all angles. To explore those angles more, oh, geez, then she starts uh, advertising her own nonsense. We must... Look at the whole picture of what scripture has to say about dealing with dangerous people, not just parts. 
Towards the end, as you assess your stance on social issues, include questions like, in what ways can we uphold healthy families and loving marriages while having zero tolerance for abuse? In civil institution of marriage, more val- is a civil institution of marriage more valuable than the life and well-being of those abused within its confines? Is how, she, I guess, she concludes. You cannot be for marriage and for the dissolution of marriage without just cause. It is unbecoming of a Christian to wantonly advocate divorce, just as it is ridiculous that the Christian Post would publish such a piece. Whatever McDougal endured in marriage, she is projecting her dissatisfaction onto others and monetizing her own service and materials, which is itself despicable. She assumes that women need no-fault divorce as an option, which is exactly what liberals say on abortion. The availability of no-fault divorce as an option incentivizes divorce. Rather than teach women to make better life choices, reject promiscuity, choose a good man, and practice emotional self-control, McDougal instead uses tragic, the tragic demise of Stephen Crowder's marriage to celebrate Hillary's liberation from his abuse and bash complementarianism. Crowder demonstrated, demonstrated failings as a husband and father, which will likely leave a stain on his career, which they will. Uh, certainly, the yes-men that surrounded Crowder, including his father, failed to confront his indiscretions on set, which clearly impacted his marriage. Likewise, leaking the damaging recordings through a heathen reporter is shameful, vindictive behavior. Like, seriously, if you're leaking your stuff to Yashar Ali, like, you're shady too. It's like when Han Show, we talked about Han Show a couple months ago, going to the Christian Christianity Today to badmouth John MacArthur and Grace Community Church. Like, I don't know, maybe go to somewhere credible. Uh, none of these shortcomings negate scriptural teaching on divorce, marriage, or reconciliation. What Jesus said about divorce in Matthew 19 is still a command today. What Jesus said about confronting one's brother in Matthew 18 is still a, the standard for reconciling sin even now. Reconciliation, even between spouses, should be conducted with the intention of winning over on a good brother in faith, not maligning him publicly. What Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, which is not mutual submission, but male headship, is still applicable today. Maybe if more people adhered to scripture, there would be fewer broken marriages and families would be strengthened. And that's how Anthony concludes. I also want to say, you know, as a Christian nationalist myself, I I believe we should go back to having uh, at false, mandatory at-fault divorce in every state. We should not have no-fault divorce. That has destroyed the family. That, that has attacked the family. It was a bad move on government policy in one extreme example in Stephen Crowder, and even the others don't justify it because we've seen, our society has seen the brokenness that has ensued from no-fault divorce. It's just undeniable. So I want to end on that note. But anyway, that's all I got to say about that for today. Let me know what you think about what I think in the comment section below. Have a blessed day and I will catch you on the next one.